It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth along Mike Evans, uh, Scott the Huff, Millennial Ben helping us out as well. like to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. i tell you what, they've really helped me out during the uh, quarantine. Well, not the first six weeks of quarantine because uh, I'm just a big fat tub of lard, but lately... I've actually been working my sweet sweat bands or using my sweet sweat bands and all the different exercise equipment that they have sent me along the way. And I tell you what, it is making a difference. I've dropped a few pounds, Mike. I'm not going to lie to you. I have dropped a few pounds. I am committed to getting myself in shape um, because apparently the gyms will never open again. So that's Sweet Sweat, <laughs> our presenting sponsor. Thank you so much to the great folks. Check them out, SweetSweat.com. Yeah, we got we got to do it on our own. We got to find uh, we got to find ways to work out. Much like much like what Tom Brady's been doing, oh. getting together with some of his new Tampa Bay teammates, uh, going mm-hmm. off to a a facility, a park, a, a school away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, workout facility, and, and I got to tell you, it's always jarring when you see these these all time greats show up in another team's uniform. You got to get used right. to it. But I, I'll go with just the first pictures of him walking around with wearing like a yellow penny, you know, just and and, and shoulder pads, and and watching him work out. It was it was weird to see him in Bucks colors, right? And that in that in that orange, whatever that what is? I don't know what that the old. Tampa Bay, like an I orange love, creamsicle type thing. Yeah, the creamsicle. That's the color. The creamsicle color. I, Man, love, I, creams- love, I love creamsicles. I, by the way, oh, oh, creamsicles are delicious. I could just crush a whole box, no problem. Well, that's that's been my problem lately. That fat boys, um, you know, Eskimo pies, things of that nature. <laughs> um, I've been all over that stuff, but yeah, I love the old creamsicle. The creamsicle uniforms, the old uniforms to me. If they if Tampa would not only have Tom Brady, but would go back to the pirate guy and Oh, my gosh. That's Super Bowl championship stuff right there as far as I'm concerned. I I will tell you this, though, Mike. Isn't it fascinating? Like, isn't it just fascinating? You know, people wonder why some people, like, have success. You know what I mean? Like, they they wonder why you've had success, what you've been able to do, why you've been able to accomplish what you've been able to accomplish. Um, You know what you got to do? You got to do the work. Like, that's the thing that fascinates me about about Brady. He's, what, 42? He'll be 43 in August. And he finds himself down in Tampa Bay with a new, a new football team, a new playbook, a new, you know, new group of, of teammates. And the first thing, the first opportunity he has where they open up the state and he's on the field with his center and with his Mike Evans, uh, not you, Mike Evans, um, but the Mike Evans, you know, the receiver Mike Evans. And he he gets his guys together. Like, do the work. Don't be afraid of the work. I, I just, like, to not be sated by your success, to not just be like, hey, man, I'm good, you know, uh, we'll be fine. I've done this for 20 years plus, whatever. Like, to just go to work. That's I, I I just again, man, I just applaud the guy for having that kind of drive and that kind of professionalism. And there is no question in my mind that when you have that kind of leader and that kind of drive, that your whole team is gonna benefit. Your whole team is gonna be better. What exactly how, what are they gaining by doing these kind of workouts? Well, I think I think it comes down to 
to timing, right? I think it comes down to understanding. Like Tom Brady is is not relying on, hey, I'm going to wait for a guy to be open. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wait. Like what I call a sight thrower. Like young guys, many young guys are what I call sight throwers, meaning that they want to wait until you come out of your break and your eyes flip, your head flips, and there's a sight line where you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, and now I'm going to let it rip. And when you have a big, young, fresh arm, you feel like you can get away with that. Well, sight throwers in the NFL are the guys at the end of the day that throw 25 interceptions and are looking for work, right? That's that's what they are. Guys that are proud of their arm talent, you know, guys that – it's like pitchers who can throw 99, right, and never develop a second pitch – those guys don't last long in the big leagues because eventually, you know, eventually those those 99-mile-an-hour fastballs get turned around and people hit seeds off them. So, like, you cannot be a sight thrower. So what they benefit, what the gain is, is saying, hey, man, when we run this route combination, this is where I want you. This is where I expect you to be. Here's the depth that I need you at. This is the spot in the field that I'm going to throw it to. And it becomes a, a, a drill in anticipat- anticipatory football. Like, I, I anticipate you being here. Like, I have, I've seen this, Mike. It was amazing. When Peyton Manning signed with the Denver Broncos, I'm out there watching practice. And John Fox was the head coach at the time. And they're running this blitz pickup drill. And it was it was fascinating because there was not one coach speaking. Peyton Manning ran the entirety of the drill. And John Fox comes sauntering over to me. I'm just standing on the sideline watching practice. And he says to me, he goes, we're the least blitzed team in the NFL. The least. And he goes, and we do this drill every single day. He goes, we're not even involved in it. And he goes... Peyton demands that we do it. And, you know, what Peyton wants, Peyton gets. But the point of the the point of the story was to watch Peyton orchestrate, hey, when we get this and I make this call, he'd be out there like running the routes. This is where I want you. And he'd be like my slot receiver. At your third step, man, put it in the ground and I want you to spin out this way. And he'd go through like he's running these routes and this is where I expect you to be. A hundred percent of the time, because this ball's coming out before you turn around, and when you turn around, man, it's going to hit you in the face. And if you turn around a second late, man, it's going to bounce off your helmet. Or if you turn around a second early, right, it's going to—I mean, it's not. It was just the the precision of it was amazing. So what Brady's working on right now is the precision, is the timing, is the understanding of what my expectations are on on a certain route. If we're running a shake route, man, this is how I want this shake route run. If we're running a dig or a Dino, if we're running, you know, let's let's say we're running, um, you know, some all goes special. This is where I want you as a tight end on the special. Like all the different things that you run as an organization, like the route combinations, this is how I want it run. This is the depth I want to run at. And, and this is where I expect you to be. That's the precision of the passing game so that 
you can take pressure off an offensive line so that you're not holding it, waiting for somebody to come open. You're throwing them open. Well, that's all well and good. That sound you hear are Patriot fans up there in New England saying, oh, wait, whoa, wait a minute. If, if this stuff is so important, why did Tom decide to blow off OTAs and minicamps the last couple of years? And then when the season is going on, openly complain and bitch and throw his helmet and act all frustrated when he can't get on the same page with some of his young receivers last year. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Patriot fan is understandably saying, well, wait a minute, you got this newfound level of commitment. Mm-hmm. Where was that the last couple of years? He was getting together with the Julian Edmonds of the world and some of the other guys. Yeah, but he you could know, fall on. out of bed. He could fall out of bed and have a rapport with Edelman. But he w- he wasn't going to OTAs. Yeah. He wasn't, I, and you know darn well, Mark. Right. If they if this was a normal yes. NFL off season and teams were were working right now and doing mini camps and OTAs, he'd have been at every one. Yeah, I think it, I think it goes to show you, Mike, how um, the dis the the level of of discord between he and you know and i know he'll poo poo it and he won't say anything about it and he'll say it's preposterous you know that he and mcdaniel's fought or he and and bill belichick didn't see eye to eye but i think it just goes to show you the level of frustration that he had with belichick and mcdaniel's to a degree with who they're signing the lack of of the lack of talent they're bringing in you know it was almost like hey we can win with anybody now you go you go fix it right and i i think it just goes to show you there so, you know, the, the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think it just goes to show you, Mike, there there was certainly some um, a level of distrust or a level of, of disgust between Brady and, and Belichick and, you know, the powers that be. So while you got Brady, you know you got Drew Brees. Everyone's talking about those two. They're mm-hmm. talking about the Bucs. They're mm-hmm. talking about the Saints. Meanwhile, hey, you still got Atlanta and Carolina in that division, and well, Matt Ryan was quoted recently as right. saying, hey, don't. Don't forget about us but, either. But before we get to that, Mike, there's one other guy that was at those practices, and I think something big came up. Out of oh, that. you're right. So right. the center, Ryan yes. Jensen, right? Uh, Division two from yeah. Colorado State Pueblo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brady, Actually, was, I think it might be Division three, but go ahead. Brady was giving him advice on how he likes his centers to be decked out during games yeah. to avoid uh, ass-crack sweat. Yes, yeah. There was a, a high level of, and you could see it in the picture, Jensen is one of those guys that produces a lot of crack sweat. <laughs> and, um, like, now me, I have never been a guy that uh, gets real sweaty, Mike. I have never, like, I can work out a lot. I'm not going to produce a lot of crack sweat. Like, I'm the perfect center candidate. Um, I might not be able to play center. But as far as dry, like dry hiney, the hiney is going to be dry for the quarterback because I don't produce. I'm not a. I'm not a big heavy sweater guys. Now some guys just profusely sweat. I find those guys disgusting. Um, I am one of those guys because I have big giant boobs. I will get a little bit of sweat between my chichis, uh, like a little, just a little, like a little strip of sweat there, right? But not like my whole area won't be dripping wet. I'm just not that way. Um, but Jensen certainly from that picture, because I uh, 
I did a, uh, I did a, uh, like, you know how you, you put your two fingers on the picture and you open it, you spread it open a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't spread the crack open, but I spread the picture open and noticed there was a significant amount of ass crack sweat. <laughs> um, and so Brady, not liking that, um, essentially told Ryan Jensen how we're going to cure the ass crack sweat problem. And he said he gave him instructions. You take the towel, you fold it over once, you fold it over again, then you put the baby powder, the talcum powder, on the towel, and then you shove it in your ass crack. It's like leaves in the gutter, Mike. Tell you what, that Tom Brady, he leaves no stone unturned when it comes to details so of playing a football game, right. whether it's dealing with ass crack, deflating footballs. Right. I mean, there is, no, there is uh, nothing soon? he won't do. Soon? Here's what, no, here's what I'm thinking, though, Mike. And, and, you know, if, if Brady decides to do this, like if we could partnership in his TB12, I'm thinking about, um, you know, you've got the jock strap that, that the guys wear, right? I'm thinking about the stink strap. And what we do with the stink strap is we make it specifically for centers. So we cut off, you know, because you put the jock strap in, your bits and your pieces go in the front. It's got the, uh, <laughs> you know, it's got the, the holding yeah. area. Right, pouch. For, yeah, the pouch for your junk, right? And then right down in the in the uh, where it connects there, the the taint area, it goes up around, so it hold it's held up by your you know both ass cheeks. Yes, yes. So what I'm thinking is we snip those off, and at the taint area, we just put one strap that has like a you know a terry cloth type of yeah. uh, thong. Yeah. And we go straight up there, so that when you put your center jock strap on the thong is terry cloth in the ass crack area oh. absorbing yep. this wicking and absorbing yep. the sweat keeping the quarterback's hands dry henceforth he doesn't have to worry about ass crack sweat genius genius tb12 stink strap <laughs> oh market it you are so entrepreneurial <laughs> it's amazing you know it is amazing. I mean, you know, you got you got the green chili. Mm-hmm. You, you know the podcast. You know, right and now That's... it's the TB12 stink strap. Right. The only problem is, is I well, it's not a problem. It's probably actually a good thing because how many times can you wear that before it needs to be disposed? Well, again, right? yes, there's, exactly. There's, you got to buy in bulk. Right. There's going to be there's because there you know there's going to be grittiness. Like right? <laughs> there's going to be that day, you know, where you're a little bit itchy. Yeah. And. um and that thing's gonna that thing's gonna operate like a courtesy wipe, right? And then you're gonna take it off, and you're like, "Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna put this in my bag to be washed. I think I'm just gonna go ahead and toss this one. Get me get myself another TB12 stink strap." <sighs> Brilliant. Tom, if you're listening, boom! Brilliant. Call Brilliant. me. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I'll try to transition. I'll just uh, make it easy. So, what about the fa- how the fa- how? Okay, you got a division. That is Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, and Teddy Bridgewater. Right. That's not that's not bad. Toughest division in football, maybe. You know, um, gosh, it's funny you should say it because you know I think you have to look at obviously you have to look at um, the teams in totality, Mike. But obviously, when you have quarterbacks like that, I mean, come on. Like, think about the AFC East. You've got Josh Allen, you know, guy that has historic, you know, historically has accuracy issues, although an unbelievably talented guy, big-time arm, very athletic. Then you've got Tua, 
we're not sure what he's going to be. Stidham, like, again, who knows? And, you know, and, and Sam Darnold, mm, you know, I don't know. Cincinnati, rookie. Cleveland, I don't know. Baltimore, we know how talented an athlete Lamar Jackson is, and that offense is is something to be contended with. But, you know, when you just start thinking, like, from just a pure quarterbacking standpoint, I don't know, like, San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, I, like, good, but this from just a pure quarterbacking standpoint with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan, there is – like, to me, Matt Ryan's an MVP. Drew Brees has never been an MVP. Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Tom Brady's a Hall of Famer, an MVP. Uh, Matt Ryan may become a Hall of Famer. But just from that standpoint, those three quarterbacks in that division, come on, man. That, that's got to be the best quarterback division in all of football, no? Well, I, I'm trying to think. You got, you got, you got the uh, NFC West, all right? So you got, you got maybe the, the quarterbacks aren't, on the same level, but are are the teams right? Is it well, a better division when you start talking about San Francisco, Seattle, the Rams, and and you know maybe even Arizona up and coming? Right. I I think from football team standpoint, I mean, come on, like San Francisco won a division, won a playoff game where they allowed their quarterback to throw it eight times. Like he was six of eight for seventy seven yards for crying out loud against uh, who was that against the Packers? Maybe. Um, so I you know. I, uh, like, division-wise, they're really good. But just pure quarterbacking standpoint-wise, and there is no question. I know that people are so excited, you know, to to bury Tom Brady, right? I mean, the, it, it, the Tom Brady thing, like the, the level of hatred that people have because Tom Brady has been destroying the NFL for 20 years is amazing to me. The, the level of people – that it's like a Monty Python, like, bring out your dead, you know, and a wheelbarrow full of people. And he's like, he's not dead. Oh, he'll die any minute. Like, they have been so excited for Tom Brady to be dead, and yet he still plays well. No question in my mind that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a, a playoff team. And for all those people that say, well, offensively, they got to find their way and this, that, and the other, what people are forgetting is how good they were toward the end of the season as a defense and how young they are as a defense with Todd Bowles. I I just think this division, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, that division is, it may be as good as it gets. It's going to be fun to watch. going to be fun to watch. You know, we talk about the NFL, and you and I have had this conversation many times. I've never seen a league that, that runs itself in a way that if any other league in sports did it, they would be mocked and ridiculed. And yet the NFL coated in Teflon, they just keep moving merrily along. The, the latest example, <laughs> the joke that that was the whole attempt to perhaps change the minority hiring rules mm-hmm. to add a little bit more beef to the, the Rooney rule, which wasn't getting enough done because we only have four minority head coaches and only a couple of general managers. So in order to try to spice it up, they attached draft compensation that you could have your draft position in the third round improved by 10 spots if you hired a minority as a coach. I mean, th- these are the kind of things, Mark, that if if baseball, <laughs> basketball, or God forbid hockey ever did things like this, the, the amount of 
of derision and and mocking that would go on would be it would be unbelievable. Mm. And yet the NFL does it, and people are like, "Yeah, all right, well that didn't work." You know, yeah, on to hey, the yeah. next. I mean, it, it's it's right. amazing how this league is is able to do some really head scratching things, but it never sticks to them. Right. Well, that was uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where that was incredibly stupid, but their heart was in the right place, right? <laughs> right. I mean, so yeah, we'll let it we'll let it go. Um, yeah, it is it is demeaning to um, to the you know to the minority candidates basically saying, well, you don't deserve it on your own merit, so let's try to sweeten the pot. Um, I, I just I, I understand how upsetting and like I said demeaning that actually is. Um, you know, there's so there's so many different issues um, that are involved with this and. You know, one of the issues, Mike, for me, that is, is that the majority of minority coaches coach on on the defensive side. Like when you start talking about coordinators, like the majority of of the defense or the majority of the coordinators, if you're a minority candidate, they come from the defensive side of the ball. Mike Tomlin, um, you know, Ron Rivera. Um, you know who else is? Who else are are the minority? We had Tony Dungy back in the day, uh, Lovey Smith back in the day. They're all on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, continue on if if you've got you know if you got who am I missing? Um, and you know I'm off the top of my head. I'm going to miss people, but the majority of of guys who get opportunities um, that are minority candidates come from the the defensive side of the ball. And until you start promoting offensive coaches minority offensive coaches and giving them an opportunity like that that's not going to change you know i mean you think about like you think about the the trends of hiring if if 10 coaches are hired 10 new coaches are hired eight of them are going to come from the offensive side of the ball because it's just the way it's just the way all, all the the rules are bent toward offense like that's every rule is bent toward scoring points in offense and then, you know, you're going to get a bunch of these, you know, Sean McVay types, you know, guys that work with Sean McVay. Hey, you got the center Sean McVay on, you, you know, on you. You're going to get an opportunity to, to coach team, whether you're Lafleur or, or, you know, you're, you're Zach Taylor or whatever the case. Even if you're not qualified because, hey, listen, guys that, that are young, right, energetic and are on the offensive side of the ball, that's like Viagra for 80-year-old owners. You know, they just can't – I mean, they are like – they are standing at attention when those guys walk through the door, and those are the guys they want to hire. And, and until you change, until you change that aspect of the hiring process, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to to continue to cultivate and develop, you know, those candidates that are going to get those opportunities, Mike. So um, I think that's internally. I think that's a big that's a big problem or that's a big issue. So they've got to figure that out as well. They did do one thing that I think is good. Um, ultimately, um, you've got to you know you've got to be able to interview two minority candidates now before you make your hire. I think the other thing that would be good, Mike, is to no longer hire or no longer um, be able to interview candidates while the playoffs are going on while to not be able oh you you know until the super bowl is over Ooh, that's a tough one mark because you you come out of the super bowl and 
I mean, you're you're already headlong into draft I, preparations and everything like that. I, I can teams I, afford to wait. I well, but here's the deal. Here's the deal is that my thinking is this, Mike. So you have a candidate that you think might be good, right? You think, hey, here's an offensive guy, and I really like you know the the way this offense operated, and you know he's a like. Kevin Stefanski, for instance, and I like the way that the Minnesota Vikings offense operated, and um, and I like that kind of style of uh, you know t- multiple tight ends and personnel packages, you know different personnel groupings, and constantly changing that and constantly putting the defense on their heels with all the different personnels and formations and all those different things, right? So I got to go get that guy right now, and you a- automatically have bias toward that guy even before you interviewed him based on the system that he runs and and so you you know you'll go through you know you'll go through your my minority candidate aspect of it but you're not you're not really even thinking about letting that guy open up your vision or open up your eyes or or listening because you've already decided I like that offense over there that's the offense I want to run here as an owner I'm getting that guy. And so if you took away that urgency, like everybody was on equal playing field to hire coaches and you could actually listen to everybody. Like I go back to the Pittsburgh hire of Mike Tomlin. You know, it was pretty much, and I was I was working at ESPN at the time, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that either the offense coordinator, Ken Wisenhunt, was going to get that head coaching job after Bill Cower left or it was going to be Hall of Famer Russ Grimm. One of those two guys was going to get that. And they went through the obligatory, you know, the obligatory interviews and everything else. And, you know, what we were hearing on the inside was, hey, it's going to be Wisenhunt. And then Mike Tomlin walked through the doors and just blew everybody within that organization away. And eventually after, you know, an eight-hour interview or whatever, I mean, they decided to, to change midstream. But if you're so urgent and you're so scared that you're going to lose your guy – or lose the system you want to run, right? Like, I think it leads to just to making a hasty decision and not really not really interviewing and understanding and really getting to know all the candidates. So, And I don't know if that's – I don't know if that like, – like you said, I get the time frame and everything else. I just don't – I don't know if that's realistic, Mike. But, um, like, Robert Sala – listen, man. Robert Sala would be a head coach right now, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. That guy is articulate. He is smart. He's a great football coach. I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years calling 49er games. That guy deserves an opportunity. He does. Last year, he didn't get an opportunity. Why? Because they were making a Super Bowl run. And everybody got so anxious to hire their guy that he didn't get a legitimate opportunity to be hired. That's that, that in and of itself, wouldn't that fix that issue? Wouldn't it? You make a good case. You make a good case, but I still think that, that teams get caught up in that idea that, uh, hey, we're falling behind, we're falling behind, we got to get, mm-hmm. get our coach in there. And, and it's not just getting the coach, it's the idea that he needs a staff, and the longer we wait, right. the possibility that guys get, get scooped up or, or move on elsewhere. So I think that it makes yep. sense, but I just think the – 
getting it to actually happen is is right. is it unlikely. Not, but I do. I, I love what I. It's a fresh take on the whole idea of you know it, it's it's the offensive guys and and so really I think it, it it's not so much the NFL putting some sort of program in place to get uh, minorities on the radar for the head coaching jobs. It's more about almost like a grassroots movement to get these guys involved in the at the lower levels, the assistants for coordinators. And then right. once they become coordinators, you know, then then they offensive coordinators, then they get on that fast track to being a head coach. Yeah, and I think that's I mean, I think that's the way I, I think that's the way it'll be rectified. But it's it's not going to be it's not going to be, hey, we'll increase your draft position. No, uh, you no. know, that's not going to that's not going to fix it. You have to actually give guys legitimate opportunities uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, Mike. And, and that becomes – that to me becomes a real – you know, that becomes where it will really start making a difference. When guys start getting those opportunities and guys start having success as coordinators, um, you know, and I think one of the things that really bothers people is Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy has been in Kansas City for a while now under the tutelage of uh, Andy Reid, you know, and – the other guys that were under the tutelage of Andy Reid that were offensive coordinators, you know, got head coaching jobs. Matt Nagy got one in Chicago. You got Doug Peterson's got one in in, uh, in Philadelphia. And yet, here we go with uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's not getting them and has gone through that same process. So, um, I understand where people are pissed, and, and rightfully so. I get that. All right. Good stuff. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinking Good what, – no, what are what, 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 we – Stinking Good Podcast? What, what's this? Stinking Truth. Yeah, I was thinking good as my green chili. Yeah, company. you got too many. You're, you're, I guess, God, you're I, too, you know what? You're, I got Tom Brady. Too many brands. I, I got, too many brands. I've got Tom Brady nestled in my mind. I mean, we can leave sweat. that in there. Yeah, no. Or just, we can edit it out. No, leave it leave in, it there. in there. Leave okay. it in there. Yeah, let's just leave it. This let's just leave shows it all. How many? Hey, yes. Mark Schlereth, everybody, is a multi platform brand type guy. Right. Uh, Tom, call me if you want to put together the uh, the the stinking uh, jock strap, you know, the, the stink strap. <laughs> the stink strap. And give me a call on that one. Uh, for our, our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, uh, we thank you so much. Uh, speaking of Sweet Sweat, let me tell you guys about my jock strap. Oh, wait. No, maybe they don't want to know. <laughs> no. Anyhow, for all everybody Leave involved, the grit out. Yeah, leave the grit out. Uh, make, sure make sure your cheeks are clean. For everybody involved, thank you so much. Talk to you later.